Hello, everyone. This is Lawrence Taylor, and I'm the pastor of Kenilworth Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. And this is Reflection on the Scripture. Today, I want to share a few thoughts with you uh, with uh, a reference to the issue of government. Now, um, there have been a number of um, books written on what I refer to as Trumpology, these Trumpologists. Um, the purpose, for, of course, is to show what they, uh, for many of these books, is either to show what a terrible president he was or what a good president he was. Um, now, I, I would uh, fall uh, into the former category and say that um, he, he was a bad president. Um, was he the most racist president that the United States ever had? Uh, well, just about all of them were racist. I mean, look, you had George Washington, first president of the United States, who was a slave owner. Uh, he copulated with his uh, 14-year-old slave girl, Venus. Let's uh, remember uh, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, who owned 600 slaves at one time. Uh, and uh, remember, he sired children from uh, his slaves and kept them as kept his own children as slaves. Not just Sally Hemings, but others. Uh, let's uh, remember the seventh president of the United States. Uh, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson made his fortune in buying and selling slaves. His uh, vice president uh, was John Calhoun, and uh, Calhoun uh, was probably the most uh, ardent defender of the institution of slavery. He was responsible for the whole nullification crisis that took place in the uh, early 1830s, where South Carolina threatened to even secede from the Union. And it was really not just over a question of a tariff, but it was over the issue of slavery. Um, let's uh, remember uh, Andrew Johnson, 17th president of, of the United States, one after Abraham Lincoln. I don't think there was uh, any president who was more racist than he was. And, and in fact, if I had to vote on the most racist president, it certainly wouldn't be Trump. It would have been Andrew Johnson. Let me tell you what Andrew Johnson did. Andrew Johnson blamed blacks for the Civil War. He told blacks that. He said, if you weren't in this country, there wouldn't have been a Civil War. Well, that's absolutely right, but he was blaming blacks for the Civil War. A delegation of blacks came to meet with him uh, and they were led by Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist. Um, after they left, um, he used profane language to describe them. Uh, his secretary recorded this, and he even uh, said of Frederick Douglass, he's just like all the other ends. He'll cut a white man's throat in a minute. <laughs> he went before the State of the Union address and said the most racist thing that any president ever said. And that is that blacks cannot be allowed for uh, allowed to self-govern themselves. 
because if they do, they will just fall back into barbarism. Uh, so what president said that? But again, let's uh, consider um, let's consider um, Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, that's right, the great conservationist, he was a racist. He um, used blacks uh, in the, uh, this before he was uh, president, of course, in the uh, Spanish-American War. Said some unflattering things about them. Uh, and um, he even, did, he didn't confine his racism to blacks. Uh, he made the comment that the only, it's not true that the only Indian is a dead Indian, but that's true 99% of the time. Uh, and um, let's remember Woodrow Wilson. Now, Woodrow Wilson is up there with Andrew Johnson in terms of being a racist. Woodrow Wilson segregated all the federal departments. A delegation met with him. They wanted to carry on the tradition like they did uh, with uh, Roosevelt and to meet with the president of the United States. Uh, and so when they uh, met with him, uh, he threw them out and refers to them as being insolent and barred blacks from coming to the White House. Um, so, um, you know, just to say that Trump is the most racist president. How about um, the uh, 34th president of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, when they were trying to, um, well, when the, the whole um, issue of Brown uh, was being decided. He went to Earl Warren, the justice on the Supreme Court, and told him, do not overturn the Plessy case. Plessy case said separate but equal facilities were constitutional. Well, you know, um, Eisenhower said, let's keep it that way. Uh, don't, don't overturn that case. Because the last thing you want is for some big overgrown Negro to be sitting next to your nice white daughter. Um, and um, <clears throat> of course, um, Richard Nixon, uh, who uh, said that uh, one way we have to uh, advance the Republican Party is to get more Uncle Tom-like Negroes to support us. <laughs> and he uh, pointed out that Sammy Davis Jr. as one of the examples. Uh, so the uh, notion that Trump, the most racist president, that's only because people don't know history. Uh, don't get me wrong. Trump is a racist. He's a white, a white nationalist. There's uh, no, no question about it. Uh, but in terms of being the most racist president, he has a lot of competition. Um, now, now um, I, I know that um, there, there are just books written about his racism, but people act like racism didn't exist before Donald Trump. You know, <laughs> what kind of craziness is that? It wasn't Donald Trump who helped to create the initiative in the, in the Republican Party to eviscerate the voting rights of blacks. They were doing that way before Donald Trump. In fact, under Antonin Scalia, uh, the justice for the Supreme Court, another white supremacist, uh, they helped to gut the Voting Rights Act of 1965, uh, which gave federal preclearance uh, 
so that states couldn't just institute voting suppression acts, but they can do it now because Antonin Scalia, along with John Roberts, helped to get rid of that. That was before Trump. All right, so don't argue. To, I, to, I'm not convinced with these people who keep screaming Trump, 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 as if it all began with Donald Trump. Let's just face it. Um, the United States doesn't have a racist history. The United States is a racist country. It is one of the most racist, race-conscious countries in the world. Uh, they, uh, it had some competition with South Africa, uh, but um, the United States was number one. In, in fact, let's recognize that Hitler studied Jim Crow laws that were instituted in the United States uh, to um, incorporate in his program of uh, Nazism. So, uh, again, I just want to point out the fallacy of the notion of Donald Trump. Now, there's a new book on the market written by Ruth uh, Ben-Gihad, who's a historian at NYU. It's called Strongman. Uh, in the long run, it's looking at all of these world leaders. It looks at, at um, Putin, of course, Vladimir Putin. Uh, it looked, it, she started with Mussolini, uh, then Hitler, uh, and then um, Berlusconi, and then Mobutu, and Zaire, uh, and uh, Idi Amin, and Uganda, uh, and um, a whole host of autocrats. But the ultimate aim of that book was to show how fascism really begins. So be aware of a guy like Donald Trump. Now, I have to repeat this. I don't support Donald Trump. Don't bother sending me a, a MAGA hat saying I'm a Trump supporter. That, that's, that's ridiculous. All I'm saying is that I I think that kind of historical analysis, for instance, by uh, Ben Giyad, uh is problematic because the book says nothing about the years of terrorism that blacks had to undergo in this country. I mean, was the Ku Klux Klan a terrorist organization? Of course it was. Was a Jim Crow a form of fascism? against black folks, of course it was. And we shouldn't even mention slavery. So to, to tell me that you know, fascism really began with Mussolini and the fascist party, because uh, they called themselves fascists, uh, when Mussolini came, Mussolini came to power in uh, 1923, uh, overlooks the history of the United States. And the other thing that is most disturbing about that book it talks about uh, Pinochet uh, in, in, in Chile and how he came to power without even mentioning the role that the United States played in helping him come to power. It was the United States under Henry Kissinger. It was the United States under uh, Richard Nixon uh, that organized 
a coup d'etat that resulted in the death of Salvador Allende. It was the United States that removed the socialist president from power. Uh, you know, um, it was the United States that uh, they didn't want him. He, when he came to power, he, uh, that is uh, Allende, he um, nationalized all American industry. There were 500 American corporations doing business in Chile before he came in, exploiting their resources. And the socialist president, who was duly democratically elected president, when he came to power, he said he's going to nationalize all the industries, uh, and that included the United States industry. So they had to kill him. They put him to death. Instead, they had a military government led by, led by Pinochet, uh, who carried out all kinds of atrocities against so-called political dissidents, those who spoke out against the government. And this book, Lord, I mean, um, denigrates um, Pinochet without mentioning the role that the United States played in helping him come to power. So, so it's, it's, it's a problem with these books, uh, is that um, this is the, um, the democratic uh, parties' um, approach uh, to these issues. Yeah, all things that are evil began with Trump. You know, like Trump is the guy uh, who was in the Garden of Eden who made uh, <laughs> uh, Adam uh, disobey God. That's how sophomoric this stuff is. Uh, but let me uh, tell you what the role of the Christian should be uh, when it comes to government when it comes to any party. And I'm going to read this from you from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So let's note what the Apostle Paul says the role of the believer is uh, in this world that we live in, regardless of what party you identify with. I don't care if you identify as a Republican, as a Democrat, as an Independent, Green Party, socialist, anarchist, whatever you identify with, whatever rocks your boat. Here's what the Bible says our obligation is when it comes to human government. And that is that we got to pray for those who are in leadership. Not just for the Democratic leader, but for the Republican leader also. It says for kings and all who are in authority, 
so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And now, he says, the purpose for our prayer for, to, uh, for these leaders, these world leaders, these government leaders, is so that they will leave us alone. Now, that, that's what Paul wrote, so that they will leave us alone, that we may live a quiet life. That's what he means. They will not interrupt us or bother us when we engage in God's work. When we do, for instance, the work of evangelism. That's why he says in verse 4, with reference to God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his point. So we don't want interference from the government. Now, it's not saying you pray for a certain person to get elected. In fact, when this was written, it was the Roman government, not the Republic, but Imperial Rome, the empire. They didn't elect people. They didn't elect the emperor. Right? It was based on uh, hereditary dynasty. And so he says, just pray that they will leave us alone so that we can do our work. And what is that work? The work of evangelism. So people will come to the knowledge of the truth. And here is the crux of the truth in verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So what he says, the only way to get to God is through Christ. He's the only mediator. He is the go-between. And you can only get to God through him. You can't get it through Obama. You won't get it through Donald Trump. You won't get it through Ron DeSantis. And you won't get it through Joe Biden. It is only Jesus alone. And since he is the one mediator, look how he, uh, he describes his work in verse 6. Who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. It ransom means that he paid the price. It not only indicates something that's substitutionary, but it also means that he paid the price. And no political leader has ever paid a price like Jesus. So those are some thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. God bless you. Hallelujah. Salvation.